two thirds of us believe we're recycling right, but only about 10% of us are. Taking coffee cups. In Los Angeles, they're not recyclable. In West Hollywood, they are recyclable. And in Santa Monica, they're compostable. So here we're looking at three cities that are within 12 miles of each other. And just one piece of daily trash that we have, you know, has totally different rules. We wanted to start a conversation and start a community where we would go on a mission to celebrate and to learn from designers, leaders, researchers, and thinkers who create digital experiences that matter. My name is David Whited. I'm the director of the CX practice at Highland, a digital experience agency in Chicago, Illinois. Here at Highland, we research, design, and build digital products and experiences for customer-centric companies and mission-driven organizations. I'm Mike Nowak, product strategist. Welcome to Experiences That Matter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Experiences That Matter. I'm David Whited, and I'm joined with by my co-host, Mike Nowak. Morning, everyone. And we are here today with Tracy Bew, who is the founder and creative director of Recycle by City. And she's here to tell us about this really important and exciting program that she's developed over the last several years, which helps municipalities teach and, and educate uh, the people that live within their cities, how to handle recycling helps motivate people recycling. So Tracy, I'm probably butchering uh, what Recycled by City is in my little explanation. So we'll really quickly get into uh, you talking about Recycled by City. But Tracy uh, brings a lot of deep experience as a creative director to uh, challenges of environmentalism and sort of environmental waste. Uh, she spent uh, two decades as a creative director creating all sorts of award-winning content for organizations like DirecTV uh, and Pepsi um, and NFL. But now she's turned her attention to uh, some really important issues um, in some cities around the country. So Tracy, uh, we're glad to have you with us today. Thank you so very much. That yeah. Was, so, was a great intro. I might steal oh, the elevator pitch. <laughs> okay, great. Sounds good. Well, you know what? Let's, let's go ahead and move to that. Uh, you mentioned elevator pitch. So I'm curious, Tracy, uh, when you when you meet somebody at a party, um, and you and they have no idea what you do, how do you communicate? What's your go to um, sort of statement or explanation for for what you do and what Recycle by City is? I probably just started out with you know what the problem is, and the problem is that two thirds of us as consumers believe that we're recycling right, but only about ten percent of us really are. So. We developed a program where we work with cities and their recycling partners to provide them not only with content, so we do digital recycling guides, we do quizzes, we do blogs, um, tons of social media, kind of everything that they need to help get this information out to their residents. And then we support them also with those marketing uh, skills so that we can kind of augment their staff and give them the support that they need to get that message out there. Tracy, do people, are people aware that they're not doing it right? Like, I mean, are, do they really know they're not doing it right? No, that's what the studies have found that we really think two thirds of us think we've, we're, we're doing it right. It, and then they went through and then asked questions after that saying, you know, so is this recyclable or not? And only 10% of the people could actually answer those questions correctly. So that we've got a high confidence and what we're doing, not really translating to the correct behaviors. Tell us about like exactly how you're engaging this problem. How does Recycle by City engage this big information gap? 
Okay, so it's kind of two-pronged, right? We, t- we both, for residents, giving them a very user-friendly place where they can go to get their local recycling rules. And then we partner with cities and their recycling partners to provide not only the content, but really the ongoing marketing to just get that message out there. Um, you know, hey, this is recyclable, this is not. Come check out these rules. You might think you're doing it right. You know, you need some support. That's really cool. Almost every founder that we talk to, right, can can point to like a specific moment when the idea for the thing they've created, you know, sort of came to their mind. I'm wondering, is there is there one of those sort of moments for you where you, that you would point to as like, this is the real genesis of, of Recycle by City? Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, it really, so it would kind of been in my, the back of my mind for a while to try to do something to address recycling. It just didn't seem like it was forefront enough. And then it was attending a South by Southwest festival about six years ago. Uh, and it was right when digital storytelling was coming out. So I kind of left the conference going, okay, I'm going to grab onto that and try to do something for recycling nationally. And then it wasn't until I really started diving into the rules that I realized that they vary so much from city to city that doing something national uh, wasn't going to work you know, with, with the same messaging. So that's how Recycle by City was born. Interesting. So you, you mentioned that you, you kind of had a passion for this, or you'd been thinking about it for a while before you even attended the South by Southwest. Um, where, where did that start? Was that just sort of uh, just a concern for the environment or for any, any, where did that sort of concern come from? So that first started, my eyes were first really open to the fact that I was a bad recycler. Uh, when visiting Europe, probably it's been 15 years now, and a pack of cigarettes was thrown in the trash can and the it was my ex and his father grabbed it out of the trash can and said, come with me, took me down to the cellar and showed me how you take the plastic off of the box and that goes in the plastic recycling bin. The foil gets pulled out of the cigarettes and that goes in the foil recycling bin and then the actual cardboard box went in another bin. And my response was, oh, wow, that's interesting. We don't have to do any of that. (laughs) We just have a big blue bin that everything gets thrown in and it's somehow sorted. But I was completely wrong, of course. (laughs) Um, You know, throwing a pack of, an empty pack of cigarettes will not get recycled because it is mixed materials. Tracia, I'm I'm curious, when, uh, when did you make the connection? How did you learn that, like, back in the States, right? Just throw it in the big blue bin that that didn't work. How did, how did you make that connection? By starting to look at the rules, really like diving down. And it was also interesting to find at the time I was in city uh, in in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, even in Los Angeles, they had different PDFs up that had different rules. Um, Mm. You know, there were stuff that had changed and, you know, so one PDF would say something, another one would have a different information. So there was just, that was kind of the tune in that they need some help that this information could be certainly displayed better and made more consistent and user-friendly. Yeah. So you, so you've got this, I'm just trying to picture, you've got this sort of growing awareness, right? That just throwing things in the big blue bin doesn't work, that there's all this complexity because you've been scouring these PDFs that the city of Los Angeles provides that have all the different rules for this. And you're a creative director. You've got all this marketing expertise and sort of the storytelling talent. And you go to South by Southwest. It sounds like that's kind of where everything came together in this workshop about digital storytelling or this presentation about digital storytelling. What was it in that, in that presentation that kind of gripped you? 
Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, I think the ability to make choices, really, you know, um, it was uh, being able to maybe make the right choice in this, you know, again, I was thinking about a virtual storytelling and to see where that path took you was, was kind of why I left there, you know, thinking this might be a really unique opportunity to talk about recycling. But again, it just didn't pan out on a national level. I'm wondering, like, it sounds like you were pretty dissatisfied with the sort of the experience of like the PDFs, right? Going and downloading PDFs um, off the website. I imagine not very many people in different cities actually, <laughs> actually download those PDFs to learn the rules. So I'm curious, like when you take your, you know, your marketing mind to this, like, what, what are you thinking about that whole experience? I think exactly that, that it's kind of a marketing problem, you know, so even if the information is up there and it's not sexy, again, we come back to how do we get people to kind of shake them up and say, hey, even you might not be doing it right. You know, again, we all are holding on to this belief that we are. So it really became a marketing challenge. I think the more that we looked at it, it's it's how do we get this information out there, keep talking to people, making it, you know, uh, top of mind making it feel important, giving it the importance that I guess it deserves, um, putting the user first rather than, you know, again, everybody, even six years ago was very mobile centric and looking at a PDF with tiny type and no pictures. Um, we we're all, it was also a very jargon written industry, throwing out a lot of words, aseptic packaging, you know, things like this where residents have no clue <laughs> what we're talking about. But if you're a engineer who's traditionally kind of running those departments a lot of times it's engineers who come from this world they're just not using language that mm -hmm. is familiar to us when you go and you get this sort of vision at south by southwest and you start thinking about sort of this national marketing program i mean you've alluded to this but it sounds like that was really the first challenge that was the first big learning that presented a first big challenge to you um, how, how did that start to dawn on you that the challenge of creating a national program? I think just looking at the disparity of the rules, like for instance, uh, again, being on the West Coast was where this was launched originally, taking coffee cups. In Los Angeles, they're not recyclable. In West Hollywood, they are recyclable. And in Santa Monica, they're compostable. So here we're looking at three cities that are within 12 miles of each other and just one piece of daily trash that we have, you know, has totally different rules. So you know, it kind of brings us back to the challenge that you think you learn once what to do with your coffee cups, you might move. And that doesn't mean the same rules apply. That's yeah, that, that would make it really, really difficult to uh, <laughs> create sort of a national program. If even in LA, like all the, you know, all the approaches, the LA area, all the approaches are different. So when you looked at that and you sort of faced that challenge, like, what did that do to your plan? I'm curious, like, how did that shape what eventually became Recycled by City, that, that whole challenge? So I think that's what blew, you know, just coming from having a video background, it just started to become obviously more than we would be able to bite off using video to, to communicate. So that's when it became clear that a website would make a lot more sense. And then kind of what does that look like? How can we make something that's very user first, that's friendly, that's using images rather than um, language? We also found, you know, looking at a carton, you're gonna, whatever you call it, some people call it a carton, some people are gonna call it aseptic packaging, some people call it a box, you know, whatever that is. If you're looking at a milk carton, that's gonna give you a clearer picture than trying to define it. So we just really went image heavy. We've tried to, 
find ways to make sure that it was, um, you know, interactive, engaging. How can we kind of keep people on there and pull them into learning more? And that's maybe where the quizzes also came about. Um, this was back when BuzzFeed was just getting kicked off. So we kind of introduced quizzes and would market those very much in a way like, you know, hey, you know, only one in 10 can get these right. You know, are you the one, you know, but trying to pull in people who weren't necessarily looking for recycling information, you know, appealing to ego, any kind of thing we can do. Because again, those who are really care about recycling might be looking it up, you know, and that's great. Those people are probably doing most of it right. It's really those of us who think we're doing it right, aren't that concerned about it, who have never really taken the time. So that's why we keep trying to rely on marketing, different kind of tactics to pull people in from, you know, no matter what your recycling knowledge might be, there's still hopefully something there for you. I'm curious, was it always like kind of settled in your mind that the place to focus was like recycling knowledge of the consumer? I think just whenever I realized how bad of a job I was doing and living mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, and we're supposed to be these great recyclers there, it mm-hmm. really made me feel like I'm probably not the only one. And then, you know, studies as we started to do research kind of proved that. So it just felt like it was an area. And again, cities don't necessarily have marketing people attached to mm-hmm. their recycling departments. You know, they've got huge responsibilities just in getting the material, picking yeah. it up, you know, weather delays, streets you know, cleaning all of this stuff that the marketing part of it wasn't front and center Yeah, for those departments. So I think that's kind of what we brought. And it's still something we kind of are fighting with the cities. Like, Hey, the marketing part is important because having the information up there isn't going to get people to read it. Yeah. You have any like kind of interesting bright spots that come to mind for like municipalities that or waste handling entities that have cared about this issue in surprising ways? I think they certainly all care, right? And it's there. They all have metrics based around it. I think perhaps, well, I can tell you it's it's interesting working with municipalities, just how differently they're funded. Yeah. Maybe that's a bright spot. We work with some really small cities and we work with some really large cities. And some of these small cities mm-hmm. have larger departments than cities who are 10 times their size. So I'm not sure how all of that shakes out. That's been a big learning experience for me, trying to figure out how cities work. I certainly didn't know. I still don't know. Um, But trying to find the right people, sometimes trying to talk to people about the marketing will fall deaf. Um, We've had cities who just are like, okay, thank you. It didn't resonate with them and we weren't able to get that story through to them. Um, But then there are a lot of the West Coast cities. They're highly engaged with wanting Mm -hmm. to get the residents, you know, recycling right. It was just not really looking at it from the user's standpoint about just putting it up there isn't going to be enough. You know, you have to let them know this is important. And we are actually speaking to you. Nine out of 10 of us are doing this wrong. Yeah. (laughs) That probably means you too. is, Is it correct to say that there's kind of three parties involved in a lot of cases? Like there's the municipality, there's the resident, and then there's also like the waste handler who serves the municipality? Yeah, absolutely. And there are some challenges in that. Um, We normally work with the cities and then we'll have them or we will all get together and work with the MRF, they're called, as the material recovery facility. That's kind of where our recycling goes from our Mm -hmm. bins. It goes to these big facilities where they resort everything out. So I told that story earlier about, you know, in Europe, the residents, the consumers do the sorting themselves and they break it down into five, six different commodities. Where we, because we're 
the industry have been told <laughs> Americans are too lazy to do that. That's the story that that we've been told <laughs> that we've been sold here that we'll never do that. So we've brought these big blue bins in. And what that now means is that it still needs to be sorted, right? I mean, at the end of the day, these commodities all have to be sorted back out. And so now we spend the money instead of doing it as consumers, we take this additional step where it goes to a MRF and they then separate everything back out. So we end up with our cardboard all together, our paper all together, our metal cans, cartons, et cetera. When you talk to uh, the different leaders in municipalities, Tracy, I'm wondering like when they talk to you about your program after it's been implemented, like what do they say is, is the most important thing that's happening as a result of the program? Like what do they feed back to you? Hopefully cutting contamination. You know, it's a tough thing. That contamination, sorry to use jargon, you know, reducing the amount of bad stuff that we're throwing in there, the wrong stuff, that's really costly. So I talked about it, you know, going to these MRFs, these sorting facilities. So when we put the wrong stuff in the recycling bin, it hopefully does get sorted out properly at these MRFs. But think about it. We're trying to do something good by throwing it in there. It now goes to a recycling facility where they have to spend, you know, we spend money, taxpayer dollars to get that sorted back out. And then that now goes back to the landfill. Right now we have to pay to again, throw that in the truck. And the landfill might be 100 miles the other way from where we've just sent this um, wrong stuff. So uh, there's a, a challenge there. And that's really what cities want to cut down on. Also, you may or may not have heard of the last, this started actually about six years ago, it was the first time China, we were sending a lot of a lot of our recyclables to China. And why were we doing that? Because they, we were receiving these large cargo ships full of products that would come to the United States. And then I'm not sure how that developed, but they started saying, why don't we fill them with our recyclables? China was asking for them, fill them with our recyclables and we would send them back because it would be a free journey back to China. What happened was as our recycling got more and more contaminated, as we started throwing more and more of the wrong stuff in there, which is now about 30% nationally, about one out of every three things we throw in our bins is wrong on a national scale. As China started to receive more and more of this dirty recycling, uh, they started to put down their foot and say, we don't want it anymore. Additionally, China's own middle class has grown to where they're starting to produce enough of their own recyclables that they don't need ours. So it's kind of a double whammy. So uh, because of that, China's shut down, taking U.S. imports of our recycling, which has actually been a good thing because it's started uh, making a lot more developments happen here where we're building more paper mills and we're building more glass mills and things to be able to handle all of the commodities that we throw in our bins. It's really interesting when you, when you think about all those developments and all the challenges, like what actually, what messages actually help move the needle on the contamination problem? Like when you've, I know you've done research and testing around like what actually motivates people. What do you find actually gets in and actually starts to make a difference? Well, I wish I could say that I know that we've cracked that. I, I don't know that we have. So maybe I take one more step back. You know, measuring this stuff does get really tough. Uh, you know, if you're looking at it, how do you measure how much contamination? It's not a, uh, it's costly. So cities don't do it a lot. Um, I can tell you from uh, our 
from the marketing that we do, most of the feedback that we get is either on our website where we, you know, ask for a lot of feedback from our residents, you know, what does this website not have that you wish it does, you know, what kind of questions. So we do look through a lot of that. That's where we create a lot of our content. Um, we have a lot of people who write us and, you know, we use all of that feedback to kind of help guide us and make improvements. Um, your question about what's resonating, we're concentrating right now. And I have to say, I don't think we have cracked the nut but trying to really get people look at, at why is recycling important. Basically every product that comes into our home is either going to come from nature, which means we're mining, you know, we're tearing up the earth, we're digging down deep. It causes tons of pollution and we're pulling out these natural resources, right? So for uh, plastics, it's oil for you know, trees for paper, bauxite for aluminum, but there are these huge you know, mining that goes on. So for every new product that we get, it's either comes from nature or it comes from recycling. You know, if we recycle, we don't have to mine anymore. We don't have to cut more trees. And when we don't, that's what keeps happening. And we have almost enough material that we dispose of on a daily basis to support the new products that we're you know, building on a large scale but we're just not recycling enough and keeping it clean enough to where that can be used. I mentioned earlier about 30% of our recycling is contaminated. Part of that comes from people throwing in food, you know, dirty containers that aren't properly cleaned. That now, you know, but by the time it makes it in the truck with everything else, it gets com compacted. That food will smear on paper. Now that paper is no longer recyclable. Uh, even liquids, it might sound like, oh, it's just half a cup of water in my bottle, this plastic bottle I'm throwing away. That bottle gets crushed, that water now gets on the paper, and now the paper will mold. So there are these issues that we don't really think about. So even water in a recycling bin, keeping your lid closed on your recycling bin, those things all make it different. Wet paper won't get sorted. Um, it can't make it through the line, it sticks together, and again, it molds. And if you're trying to sell a bale, nobody wants moldy paper, it's just, it's worthless. So that again, we'll go back to the landfill. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like, as I'm thinking about other people, you know, who are engaged in sort of creating these types of experiences that you've created with Recycle by City, which, you know, have really large scale aims, uh, correcting really large scale social problems. Um, what, what would you say has been the most important thing you've learned um, sort of as a designer and as, as a leader that's helped you, helped you put this together? Probably that there's not uh, that there's not one um, one fix for the way we speak to people. I think we've certainly learned that content uh, is not universal. I mean, we're trying to speak to just what you said at such a large global scale. You know, who is our target market? Unfortunately, I mean, we could narrow it down to saying it's really the people who are not recycling. Right? There's kind of a scale. If you look at the industry, they say about. 15% of the people are super motivated and have probably already looked up their recycling rules, right? They really care about it. They're the hardcore recyclers. Then there's kind of a, a bottom 15 or 20% who might never get on board. They just might not think it's important. They don't believe in it. You know, there's some, there's, there's some people who are just concerned that recycling isn't really happening. So we try to write different content to speak to kind of both the middle 60% you know, who are probably where we fall, which is tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then we write different content for trying to reach those, you know, 
maybe never recyclers. And those are the tough people that we really want to reach. You know, some people turn in their bins. It's, 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 it's also very hard nationally, you know, talking to the target markets, talking to our market in Chicago is very different than talking to people in LA is the other thing that we've learned. You know, LA has been around, they've made it much more important. Um, they talk about their successes in recycling in, in Los Angeles. So people are more aware, I think, of recycling. In Chicago, when we came on, there had just been uh, the first time that there was ever a charge attached to municipal waste in Chicago. And it's $10 a month. Um, and it's actually charged for trash. But prior to that, there was no line item. You know, they weren't receiving a bill that said this is for your waste or disposal, right? So it was kind of free in everyone's mind, although, you know, clearly there's a cost, whether it's recycling or trash. Where in LA, we spend $45 a month and, and it goes up from there. They base it on how much trash you produce, basically. The smaller your trash bin, the less you pay. But so when the $10 in Chicago came out, people were pissed off. <laughs> people were like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw ROM in my bin, you know, come pick this up. You know, I don't even want it. I mean, we just got murdered with people upset about this $10 bill. And it wasn't that we weren't always paying it. You know, it just wasn't yeah. a line item. And it's still way below what most cities are paying. So it's, yeah, it's for those of you for those of you who aren't from Chicago, Rom was the mayor of Chicago at the time. So yeah, that's that's who they were saying they were going to put in the bin. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Well, Tracy, thank you, thank, thank you so you much uh, for this. Yeah, thanks for your work um, with Recycled by City. It sounds like there's still a lot of work to do, um, a lot of ongoing sure. research, and a lot of ongoing activity to try to move the needle on this really, really important problem. But it's been it's been great having you uh, with us today, and thanks for telling your story. I appreciate it so much, you guys. Thank you. It's been fun. It has. Thanks again. Today's episode was hosted by me, David Whited. Mike Nowak. Editing by Daniel Santrella. Original music by Daniel Santrella and Tyler Edders. Cover art by Teresa Berg and Bridget Calling. Katie Sue Fisher does our scheduling administration. And Andreana Pacella is our beloved producer. For more information on Highland, visit our website at highlandsolutions.com or connect with us on Twitter at, at Highland Chicago.